everyone, and uh, good evening again. Another Friday, another show, uh, an interesting topic tonight. Hurricane H here, iHealth Channel, FinFab Channel, and iHealth Radio. And we have a comeback. We have a reappearance uh, from Dr. Lake. And the last show we had about a month ago, we've covered uh, trauma and PTSD and some of the, the, the reasons behind it, what happens and, you know, some of the, uh, the connections also with the current, you know, uh, events of COVID and the pandemic and so on and so forth. And part of the discussion we had last time, you know, something came up as a topic of interest and that was bullying. Uh, and uh, so we decided to take a sequel to it and really talk about bullying. And uh, we hear it and, and it's pretty common. We've seen it in the movies. Uh, but but today we'll get into a little bit of a uh, root causes of it, what it is, and uh, you know we'll talk about experiences and some of it is traditional as we might already know about it because we've seen it, uh, but some of it is probably new because we experience it differently these days, and we'll 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 expand on that as well. So the first things first, you know, Dr. Lake, welcome back. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining yeah. us again and for another yet interesting topic. And I think it's going to be deep because many people will relate to this uh, because I don't think personally, I don't think anyone has not experienced bullying. I don't care who, what, where, at a degree, at a point or another in their life, they might have experienced it. Uh, when you're younger and when you're older. And today we see it in social media and other, you know, venues in the street, whatever the case may be. Yes. So, so it, it is, it's crazy. Uh, so, so first things first, I wanna just start with me. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I actually was bullied. <laughs> so yeah. I, I was a tiny dude and literally, you know, you know, I was uh, a little bit, you know, I would say few years ahead in terms of school. And so I was with older kids and they kind of really took it on me because I was, you know, skinny, short. And I literally, they beat on you, they make fun of you and things like that. Now, I thank God, I mean, I, I survived it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I found ways to cope with it. And, you know, uh, I actually mentioned this in a previous show when I, I introduced martial arts in our fit and fab, but really that helped me. But, but I, I, I hear it also in my kids, you know, they're in school and it's happening. So let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about just bullying in, in, in general and, and what you've heard about it. What do you know about it? Yeah. I mean, my work is I work with, um, I tend to work with teenagers that come in and they experience bullying. Uh, I, I know we know that bullying tends to happen more as children are in their teens. Um, it's, it, it happens in the younger ages. It can happen from, you know, when there's uh, children are small, uh, it tends to increase more in the middle school years and in the high school years. Um, you know, I, one of the ways I think about it is, you know, those are um, between two to 12. Those are our primary years where we're still, even up to your teenage, where you're still developing your identity, your sense of who you are, do you fit in? Are you, you know, children start to turn more to peers as they get older to de define their worth and, and more so than their own parents. And uh, so those things start to, um, uh, you know, have a long term. And when I work with, with people, my clients, it, it ends up being a long term impact on their well being. And at some severe levels. Now, you told me about martial arts. 
And I find that an interesting thing because, you know, my partner as well experienced bullying when he was young. We were talking about that the other day. And, um, you know, there are things that help you build resilience in dealing with it. So, I mean, we can't make an assumption everyone that's bullied is going to be um, suffering long-term consequences, but I would say that everyone is impacted. Anyone who has experienced bullying has to deal with it in one way or another. So fortunately, you got involved in martial arts. And I think when if you have something that intervenes, um, it can make a huge difference in your life. Um, it can help you develop some resilience. But what I end up seeing are the ones where there's a lot of long-term consequences to bullying and um, and to and a severe level that they, as adults even, it, it leaves an imprint in their well-being, it imprints on how they function, and it also affects, you know, um, depression is one of the things that can happen. Self-esteem is a huge impact. Uh, one of the ways I think about it is, um, you know, words part of bullying is has to do with words part of bullying has to do with physical like there's so there's a lot of different types of bullying and i mm -hmm. think over the course of the uh, the last number of years uh, i don't know if you grew up and remember i remember growing up and i remember hearing sticks or stones can break my bones but words will never hurt me i don't know if you heard that one i did yeah which is completely false completely <laughs> false because words are incredibly powerful. Yes. And, and I don't think, and it's not even just words. It's, I remember when I was young, I had a, um, there was um, uh, one person in my classroom that uh, there was uh, an agreement among the students to ignore this particular person. And I couldn't figure out why. Thank goodness I didn't. In fact, I didn't follow that at all, but those things can leave an imprint. So it's it, part of it can be the verbal abuse, uh, insults, um, physical threats. Uh, now we have cyberbullying, which yes. you know is a whole other dimension of it, and um, words stick. And I and and the thing that I end up dealing with often when they people come in and they've had a history of bullying that they did not recover from. Like they didn't have factors that allow them to become resilient. So when we go through adversity in life, if we have fe uh, features or uh, resources that help us get through it, someone can navigate it and maybe even turn a bullying experience into something that makes them stronger. Um, my partner, when we talked about it, he went through cadets and, and that was a real life changer for him. And so those kinds of experiences can, can certainly soften the blow of, of bullying and can help you get past it. But I would say that for the most part, it's actually got lots of negative effects on people. And certainly into their um, adulthood. Um, you know, if I can share some examples of things that I've seen for people that have gone through some long-term bullying. Sure, please. Um, I remember one individual that I met with and he, um, uh, his bullying was severe from the time he was young to when he was older. Now it, it did not, um, he didn't have that resilience factor. He didn't have any kind of supports while he was going through it. 
he was very isolated through that experience of bullying. Um, and as the years have come on, now we have it in the media a lot more. So in earlier years, that didn't even exist. You know, bullying was, we dismissed it. If you actually look historically bullying, what would we say to, to um, children who were bullied is, you know, you know, to toughen up or just <laughs> ignore them or, or it'll just pass and all these nice, you know, pieces of advice. Uh, I think we take it a lot more seriously now. And um, so those resources make a huge difference when you're young. Um, but one thing I really want people to understand is words are incredibly powerful and they are damaging. And, and, and whether we're talking about bullying in our adult years when we're going to work and you have a bully boss or whether you're bullied in, in your childhood. So this individual, um, he would walk into a store or from his day to day, and he would imagine that the people that were just looking at him a little bit off were still thinking horrible things about him. Wow. So this happened, it created kind of a paranoid mindset inside of him. He didn't, he, his self-worth was so low that when people would look at him, he assumed that all of those um, things he was told when he was young was what was on their mind. And that those are some of the, and it, it impaired his ability to go to work. He, he, he lost confidence in himself. He developed anxiety. Um, sometimes it can result in aggression. Um, like, so it really, there's individual differences on how people do respond to it, but it's, and in the media, you've seen suicide. Yes. Suicide is a little bit rarer. It's, I mean, we sensationalize it on, t on TV, but it doesn't happen quite as frequently, but it is a risk factor. And that's one of the things that has come out in the media and certain um, brought bullying to people's attention, right? Um, yep. So yeah, there's, um, it's a huge problem. And I'm, I'm really hoping that now with the initiatives that we have started out, it's gonna help people. Um, I don't know if you want to listen about, know about risk factors. Yeah, please. Risk factors. Yeah. Um, you mentioned one of them being a little bit different, you know, sort of if you're taller, shorter, fatter, wearing glasses, shyer, uh, more sensitive children that are a little bit more, um, self-conscious, maybe ones that don't have friends that are loners. Those are risk factors for being bullied, but there's risk factors for becoming a bully. Yeah, right, exactly. Right? There's risk factors for becoming a bully. And, and, you know, there's some personality traits that might, they might have, they might be hyperactive. Um, they may already have a tendency towards aggression, like a, they're drawn to uh, aggressive media. They're, they're, um, they may come from a family home where there's um, either domestic violence, um, you know, unhealthy relationships in their family home. Um, you know, so there's, there's a context to the development of bullies. It is a bit of a red flag for bullies. People who develop bullying, violent, aggressive behavior could be a red flag for future criminal behavior. Right. Well, yeah. So if, if they're if they've been um, they they have more positive views of aggressive behavior, 
Um, and, you know, boys tend to obviously be a little bit more physical in the aggression. So there's, uh, there's, you know, a context for people becoming bullies. It doesn't just, you know, you aren't born a bully, I don't think, you know, and you, although children have dispositions. Another uh, feature for ones that become bullies is that they lack empathy. So they're not as empathetic. Um, I don't know, I remember one story and it was of a boy who had been bully, bully. he had been a bully. And, and one of the things that actually changed his behavior was he read a book about a boy who had been bullied and he really understood how damaging bullying was and that helped him. So he, he came out and that was a turning point in his life. He, he had been a bully until he understood and developed empathy for what actually happens. And one of his, his story was that he, um, one of the reasons that he uh, became a bully was because he wanted to fit in with his friends. It wasn't really that he had anything inherently against, you know, this person that he got engaged in bullying, but he wanted to be a part of a group. So there's a lot of social pressure for kids. I mean, if we're talking about children, Mm -hmm. to either, you know, either you stand up and, and there's, I think they found there's about 40%, at least in Canada, I don't know what it's like all, uh, fully in the States, 40% that will try to do something to help a child that's been bullied. Um, but they're much smaller, about 9% of the children will actually do something to protect that, ch that child who's being bullied. Right. And so, and, you know, and then you, you've also mentioned that some of them were, I'm imagining larger children. And so boys tend to be more aggressive towards the smaller, the ones that they can, you know, Easily. that seem a little weak, the easier, yeah, ones that are not really assertive. Right. So all of these, I think are good for us to know, because if we know and understand a little bit more about what causes bullying and what, things are related to bullying, then we can actually make it start to make a difference. And I think the other good thing that we have now compared to where it was in the past is we don't minimize bullying as much and we recognize that it is actually damaging and even words are damaging. Because I think historically, there was a real minimization of that. At least in my years when I grew up, um, bullying was not really given the kind of credence that it is now. I think in the 80s, they started to do research. And then as we heard more anecdotal stories and there's been a lot more research now on bullying and World Health Organization has gotten involved in bullying and trying to understand it. Um, and I think those things are helping that we're even talking about bullying right now um, helps bring awareness to the, to the issue of bullying and hopefully we'll be able to stop it. Education plays a role. Definitely. So, so a couple items you mentioned. One, we're talking about the victim. Right. Yeah. So, so the ones that are being subjected to it. Yeah. Um, and then you have also the, the ones that are making or taking the action. Yeah. Uh, what, can we consider, psychologically speaking, that even those folks are also victims of some circumstances? As you mentioned, it could be domestic violence, you know, it could be just the uh, healthy environment or an unhealthy environment they grow in. And therefore, they tend to just take, take that inner aggression out to other people. Um, so, so really, I mean, that, yeah. that's like both, both sides, I mean, are victims in a way. And, 
I agree. It, it's not justifiable, yeah. and there's no yeah. justification for it, but I think there's more factors to it. I 100% agree with that. I mean, you know, we know the stories, you know, if you, anyone who studies and understands sociopathy or psychopathy, because it's something that I studied in my earlier years, um, they're a very small percentage of the population. And I mean, you might find, um, uh, you know, the occasional uh, sociopath that actually um, doesn't have empathy and, and it can be a risk factor because sociopathy or psychopathy is connected to a, a more of a biological um, uh, genetic factor that why that develops. So if we're gonna separate that particular group, which is a smaller group, I would say the rest of them, absolutely, I agree. I think that they often, um, what we know in research is they come from families that may have more aggression, poor communication. Um, there could be trauma in the background. There could be family violence happening. And I think one of the things that's um, hard is they, they don't know how to use effective communication to solve problems. They don't know and have the skills to deal with their feelings. They don't have the role models to, to do that. And the other piece is that if they learn, children are great for role modeling. And if they learn violence and witness violence or aggressive behaviors in their home, where are they supposed to learn um, effective communication to deal with things? Um, you know, and I know some other research that they've had for um, children is um, actual depression. And you know, girls and boys deal with depression differently in their early years, and boys tend to act out more. So it's not uncommon for um, that mood of if they're depressed or anxious to be channeled into aggressive behavior. So if you're powerless at home, then you can exercise power outside of your home environment. And, and that might be a way that they channel coping with the things that they're bottling up because they don't have any other means to express that. Thank you. So you mentioned, um some of the behaviors or identifiers, right? Or things yeah. that triggers. Now, I know over the years I've, I've seen this happen and it still continues to happen. I mean, recently we've seen footage of, uh, especially post COVID, um, yeah. you know, now some of the Asian community around you know, the world is being more aggressive because of you brought us COVID and things like that. Uh, is that something that could be considered bullying as well? I mean, you know, it is people being just pushed around. I mean, there was somebody that just died a couple of days ago, an older person, some guy just came in and, you know, they pushed him and that was the end. Um, is that, is that something, I mean, it's criminal obviously, but, but it's, 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 it's similar. And, and I can relate to something, uh, the events of the tragic events of 9-11. I mean, that, that was a big, you know, thing in, in the States and all over the world. And so, so the, the Muslim community, for example, has suffered quite a bit about it. Now, again, uh, there were some, some folks that did bad things, but everybody else was to blame for. Uh, and and I, the reason I said that, because to date, my son uh, is actually being called things at school, uh, which which is, you know, and he comes like, you know, so the way we deal with it is like, you know what, 
ignore it. I mean, you know who you are. <laughs> you know, you have to be proud of who you are. There's nothing wrong. You're not part of anything bad. But but that's that behavior continues. And sometimes it is driven by parents. Because technically, if I say to my kids, you know, something and they go and experience some other folks that are different, whatever they believe or 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 background, whatever, they might just, you know, execute exactly what they hear at home outside. Yeah. Uh, what do we say to that? I mean, that that phenomenon itself. Is that fear that triggers that? Is it is it just the the unknown or the ignorance? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if you look through uh, the history, I mean, we tend to fear that which is unfamiliar or different from us, and I think that is a way that people do cope. I wish I, I wish I wish it was the truth that somehow bullying ended at a certain age, and it doesn't, and it it goes well into adulthood. And, you know, when I look at how it, you know, I think tolerance is a word that comes to my mind is that, you know, we either learn tolerance and hopefully that's something we learn. And in times of crisis, that kind of behavior is likely to increase. If people feel threatened by a difference, then that their that behavior of aggression is more likely to increase. And, you know, but I would imagine that those tendencies um, of bullying uh, that were existing at a younger age. It, so if they already had some proclivities towards that when they were younger, that can carry over into your adulthood. And as we all see, we still see people that are well into their adult years. And now that people are stressed, you know, this is, you think COVID, people feel more threatened by differences and the less tolerant they are of that, the more they're going to take that out um, on the people that they feel threatened by. And it's an unfortunate reality. And I think um, in times of crisis, that's, we're more likely to see that because people feel mm, a little bit more scared and worried and threatened by, by people that are doing things different from how, how they see fit. So we're, we're more likely to experience that now. And where I think the whole world is going a little bit is is losing their equilibrium now. I mean, I remember watching a program of um, it was unmasked people in a grocery store. Yes. Um, I don't. Did you see that one? Or well, they, I've seen different similar cases where people unbelievable, go right? Yeah. It's it's um it's. Uh, you know, absolute, not only intolerance, but an imposition of your own values on someone else. And I think tolerance is where we can actually respect people having a difference in opinion, view, appearance, and way of coping. And I don't think we have that with a lot of people that are struggling right now with, with all the stressors that are happening. So, Doctor, you mentioned something about bullying at work. Yeah. I mean, that is a whole different world right by itself. I mean, yes. you know, people work, you know, I mean, that's why there's a whole different classes and trainings on harass, you know, harassment and things and the other bullying yeah. and conflict in the workplace, all those things. And, um, but, but it is, it is definitely because we do spend more time probably at work than at home. Yeah, <laughs> and so th that's a world where it's happening. So you got the kids in school, you got the parents or the adults at work in the workplace. Yeah. So, so um, I, I'm assuming that is the same, that whatever the elements are, they are still triggered by the same youth, you know, youth 
experiences or something that ha that's happening in their life in the current moment. Yeah. And or a, a full sense of, of power, I guess. Sometimes, you know, you get a, a power trip. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so obviously there are measures in place today. Do you think those measures are enough? In, in, can we do more? For, for prevention, I, 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 you know, I think it depends on the corporate climate that you're in which you're working and they give different weights to those issues. I mean, as we've talked about last time, uh, right now in, in Canada, for example, the RCMP, there's been uh, two major class action suits that are tied around harassment and um, those that is new for this organization that has otherwise been um, very uh, stoic in their their previous uh, way of handling even things like harassment now because there's been such a um, I guess um, a, an expression of the, the workers who've come out and been able to talk more about everything happening that there's a change I think it does depend on the climate of the organization and what kind of policies they have in place for bullying. I, I think there's a lot of room for certain organizations to improve that. And, you know, um, not only recognizing it, but actually making a change. I, I think it does depend on the, on the organization that a person works for. Um, uh, you know, I know with HR, human resources, we have certain mechanisms in place to address bullying. Uh, I think we need to always be mindful of that. Uh, right now, we've um, in Canada, in the news, there's been even in politics, uh, um, there's been, uh, you know, uh, instances of bullying, uh, you know, where we've seen in the US too, so <laughs> it's, it, it, it's it, contagious. <laughs> it, it's pretty um, significant. But what I do like um, is that when it does come out to the open, when it is, people are sanctioned for it, when we don't just enable it, I, I think my concern is um, when it gets enabled, and, and it does. We still have some problems with keeping harassment quiet or, you know, I think the other thing that's hard is sometimes people that are bullied, if they've had a history of bullying, it's, a, it's not, um, you know, coming out and revealing that you're being bullied is in and disclosing that you need to feel relatively safe. And some people, as you know, are have fears of losing their jobs. And so, um, or that yeah, it, they're not, they're not going to be believed or depending on how far up the line bullying actually starts, because in most companies, you actually have to look at, it trickles down. And if there's a, a, a culture of bullying within that organization, um, it gets a little more threatening to bring it to the forefront, um, especially if it has an impact on on your career. Um, you know, I was actually watching a program, uh, was it just yesterday? It was, this is not RCMP, but within policing, there was um, a woman who was getting bullied and harassed um, by a senior. And she was married to a police officer as well. This police officer who stood by his partner now has been, um, 
not quite demoted, but he's been relieved of certain duties. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you have those kinds of climates, it makes it a much more difficult thing for people to want to even speak out because there's a concern of, of, of punishment um, when you do, right? So, so you, you hit a, a very important piece there, which is speaking up. I mean, yeah. in your experience, how, I mean, not everybody's going to come out and say, hey, I was bullied. I mean, that's, that's I don't know. That, that's really a question. I mean, in your experience, do you see that it is very easy to actually come out and say, I have been? Not everybody may be comfortable to say that. I mean, not only at work, even when they were younger or at school or oh, whatever. Because, sure, sure. uh, I mean, people are always, like, afraid of the stigma and, you know, like, well, I'm, I'm too, too good right now. I don't want to tell people I was weak or, or something of that nature. Um, how do we qualify that? Well, I mean, children, you know, again, I think it really depends on the family climate that they have, how much we will decide to disclose if they're if they're in a family that has um, uh, a tendency to um, maybe have criticism over weakness and judgment and they get minimized and criticized for having an issue with bullying, they are less likely to communicate that to others. I think if we're in an environment where we get told, suck it up, not a big deal, you're weak, why can't you just take it? They're just words. It, over time, it will decrease the likelihood that you will want to disclose it because if you don't feel that you're in a climate where people are going to actually listen to you and give what you have to say credence, it's much less likely that you're gonna uh, choose to talk to people about it. So whether you are punished um, whether there's some kind of sanction about it, whether um, people just dismiss it and don't give you much um, acknowledgement for or don't validate that this could be a problem, you are less likely to want to share that with people. I think another thing that affects, um, uh, you know, people's ability to communicate whether they've been bullied or not is how well their self-esteem is. And if you have been bullied as a child and somewhere you blame yourself for bullying. So as an example is I'm bullied because there's something inherently wrong with me. You are probably less likely to stand up for yourself than if you have been instilled with good self-esteem. Because when we have good self-esteem um, we feel that we are worthy of not being bullied. That is not about us. We can hold bullies accountable. I think it's harder to hold bullies accountable when you're not in a climate that is supporting it. And when you yourself um, have some leftover baggage from being bullied that you haven't really worked out. So in somebody who has been experiencing it, I mean, I talked about martial arts. You mentioned something yeah. about that. Uh, yeah. yeah, those are some measures. Some we've heard people go into military and other places where they can really get reformed, if you want to call that. Absolutely. Is there still an impact beyond that? I mean, you obviously treat, you know, police and, and law enforcement, maybe military, and some of these folks that they did do experience trauma, but some of it could have possibly, or some behavior may be triggered by some of the background, right? Yeah. Now, someone who could not find a solution or uh, I guess a treatment 
format where they can turn their 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 bullion fear and and, and just kind of stand up to it and build a self-esteem. Uh, what are the solutions there? I mean, you know, there are different ways to deal, deal with it, but obviously at a young age, you probably will not know unless your parents maybe help you. For sure, uh, for sure. So, so what would you, what, what, in your experience, what have been some of the additional solutions that or recommendations that we can tell people uh, if you do this, you might be able to resolve this sooner than later? Are you referring to younger children or for, for, for as we get older? Because well, in the younger stages, because I think if we can track it at that point and, and, and eliminate it before you know, we get to an older age, then probably this, it will be a better solution, a better way of dealing with it. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I think um, there's two issues around that because... Um, in order, to, if, if we're talking about there are caring, loving parents who are connected to their children. And I think being able, if they're not communicating it, you need to first observe signs of people that suggest they might be bullying. They don't, might, may not have the words. Mm. Um, so in a, in, a, in, a, in a family that is responsive and caring and loving towards their children, um, that environment is more likely to be able to help kids um, because they are engaged with their kids and they may be able to get them into some kind of treatment at a young age. But I do think what's important is when you're talking about children is that's those are really important years for developing self-esteem. And you mentioned that you got into martial arts. Um, I mentioned cadets. I think it's not part of it might be the physical nature of that kind of um, uh, activity that helps, but it's also because you're finding a place of belonging. And I think when you're, when you're in a school environment and you feel uh, separated and isolated from your peers, which can be extraordinarily traumatic, I think people need to feel a sense that they are worthy of belonging, that that is important for kids. So I think it really would be valuable for parents to be aware of, of that need for kids and to bring them into an environment where they can feel that sense of belonging with the group. I think that's highly important. You know, the other thing is children, parents need to talk to their kids and give them a venue to talk about bullying. And, you know, I don't think in life we can avoid adversity. You know, that's one of my things is like, and so you can look at it as a horrible experience, which I completely agree, it can be traumatic. Or you could use that as a venue to help kids learn resilience and learn how to value their own uniqueness. Um, and I think that is what children need to do. Um, I do know of children that have been sent to see a counselor okay, you're, you're being bullied, go and see a counselor. And while I think it can be helpful, children don't always feel they can relate to a counselor or that a counselor may understand them. I think it may be helpful, but not sufficient. In more serious circumstances, I think the school does need to get involved. Um, right now, they do have initiatives at schools. They have um, on a governmental level, they have legislations. I know in the states, in every state, they have some kind of legislation to, 
So if parents are not capable of providing that to their kids, um, that is recognizing it, listening to them, sending, set, getting them involved in activities that help build their self-esteem, getting them involved in things that help, help them feel that they're belonging. If we're talking about a family that is violent or that they themselves are not healthy, we can't, we can't rely on the family. So the family may or may not be a resource for a child. And when a family is no longer a resource for a child, then we, that's where we rely on the schools. And that's where we rely on the education to compensate in some respects for what is happening to a child. Um, and it may have to be on a broad scale, you know, education through all the universities or even individually working with the ones that are at risk and, and identifying kids at risk. So I think they're looking, I know in Canada, they are trying to look at it on different levels. Um, one is education. The other is, you know, a role playing at schools and helping kids learn assertiveness, helping them learn uh, um, communication helping them learn boundaries, helping them develop some skills in their younger years. And mm -hmm. honestly, that's what, what I do even when they're adults. It, it, I would say it's no different. I mean, when they come in to see me, if they are still traumatized, because one of the things, you know, I do work with some more serious cases of bullying. Um, uh, one person in particular that I have worked with, um, uh, is absolutely horrified of being shamed and having putting herself in any position where someone can judge her, be it a boss. And so, you know, it's kind of a form of PTSD. It's, um, you know, is, is fearful and has to learn all those skills. And I think the job of parents is to help children deal with adversity and to help them um, become resilient and if that family structure was not there to give that to their children then you still have to learn it even when it moves into your adulthood so if those skills have not been developed when you're younger that's when they usually end up coming to see me and so I will see them with I guess unresolved trauma from from childhood bullying that's had a long-term impact on them. Again, I mean, I, I thank you for, for that. That's some valuable stuff that I think our audience and listeners can really take some good, good content here, good uh, juice, yeah. <laughs> and good, good, good tools that they potentially can, can utilize in life. And uh, hopefully we can help through this, this platform, you know, folks to at least understand what it is and how to cope with it and maybe how to prevent it if possible. Uh, and it's funny because we're talking about cadet because and you're talking about people want to belong. Uh, and yes, you're right. That that makes you feel part of a pack, you know, that of, of a group. And, you know, it gives you a little bit more confidence. And that's exactly what happens in school. Um, I mean, my oldest son, for example, was a cadet in like ROTC program. So they kind of like have their own elite group. So people don't really bother with them. Uh, if you are in a football team, whatever, then you, you belong in a clique and, and so on and so forth. So people tend to do those cliques. Even I, I'm years back, I, you know, in my regular career path, we used to work with community affairs and police department, NYPD. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, and we used to talk to those, those, those officers that worked in, in with the gangs. 
And what it turned out to be that a lot of those people that belong to a gang, they really wanted a family, a group that, that they can feel protected, they can feel, you know, they belong somewhere. As bad as it sounds, I mean, we hear gangs, oh my God. But really, that's not, when they went in, they went to belong in, 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 a, in a setting and, and escape whatever the reality and potentially even not being bullied. So and it, it's crazy when you think about it that way, but it is reality, yeah. I mean, that's why I think we, I, I would, I really think it's important we don't necessarily uh, villainize the bullies because I, I you know, um, they can be, you know, that's not, ha happy people don't go around threatening and, and you know, insulting others. And, and I really believe that at the core, when we have self-esteem, people, most people with good self-esteem, they actually are not really ones to judge others. And usually they don't judge themselves. That is a trait for people that have good self-esteem. Um, and, you know, anyone who has been in that world of becoming a bully or, um, and it may have something to do with their own trauma. And I, I, I think it's important not to make assumptions about people that have become bullies and maybe to recognize that they actually do need some help. Um, you know, I, I, in the absence of it being addressed and dealt with though, I, it can move into their adult years. And what I think we need to do as adults, whether it's in an organization is we need to name it and we need to talk about it. Um, I think the more we do that and we help not, not create environments that enable it, I think we're gonna be able to make changes around it. Um, you know, I, I think the other piece I hope over time that most people get is, is the importance of, of how damaging words can be, whether you're, you are an adult. And, you know, I know we know in the military, there's been issues around lots of issues around harassment, I think mm -hmm. both in the States and certainly, um, you know, here as well. Um, so there are certain organizations we know of where there's more visible harassment. I think as a culture, we need to come together and be really clear about policies and, and eliminate any environments that enable it. Thank you. Well, definitely. And, and it, it's amazing that we're, we're talking about the reality of the world and the physical aspects of it. But now you mentioned earlier the cyberbullying, yeah. which, which now that whole dynamic took off from the real world and it became in, in our new world. And, and unfortunately, we live probably more in the cyber world than in the real world, especially in COVID. And yeah. what I've noticed in, in a lot of social media, there's conflict. I mean, people, you put a, a, a post and somebody goes in and, and, and goes crazy on that post. And you yeah. put an opinion, someone else goes crazy on it. I, you know, it's becoming, I mean, that's one piece of it. Of course, there's cyber bullying when people actually really threaten people and or like put, post things that are bad about them or maybe a picture and they really shame them. It's the same concept, you know, like shaming people in person with words, but now you're doing it with the iPhones and phones and stuff now and selfies. I mean, everything is crazy. You can't turn around without people pointing a, a, a phone at you. So it's crazy. Yeah, so it so what, what are some of the mitigations that maybe, you know, uh, that you've at least used or maybe that are available uh, to message people? You know, what, how can you potentially prevent some of that? I mean, obviously it's hard, but in your opinion, or at least in the practice, what are some of the tools that we can potentially share with you? 
if any. To protect us from online bullying, you mean? Yeah, or yeah. I mean, like an bullying? easy way to. I mean, I I use one system. If I don't, if you say anything wrong, I just delete block, <laughs> eliminate you from my my service. But I I don't know that some people get conflicting and they get really tight and they go back and forth and they go into lives and they fight with each other and it gets crazy. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think uh, the thing about the uh, online and cyberbullying is that it, you know, where I feel it's really damaging is that, um, um, you know, if there's somebody that's bullying us in a particular work environment, we can just shut them out or, or move phys physiologically actually step away from that environment. And I do think it's much harder for people to do um, with cyberbullying. I think one of the things is how engaged do you get with people who are in, engaging in that kind of behavior online? I mean, I don't have all the answers. I know that right now, even when, uh, you know, I'd had some uh, online harassment at one point and I, and I remember the police who got involved, they said, you know, the laws are not quite keeping up with what's happening online and they're still racing to try to find ways to, to manage um, online. I think being able to unplug, it's like if there's any group that um, I find is negative or, or hostile, um, unplugging is the best thing and distancing yourself. Um, one thing I do for sure is you gotta recognize when something is actually leading to um, greater conflict and adversity and to be able to step back from that because there are certain kinds of conversations that are not productive. I think if we learn um, as a society, what are healthy conversations and uh, where can you uh, express differences in a manner that is um, not disrespectful, harmful, hurtful to others. How can we um, do that at, in, in the cyberspace that we have? Um, I, I don't have all the answers for that. I haven't worked with a lot of cyberbullying um, because it is more recent. And um, I know that children are very vulnerable to it. And I certainly know adults have been exposed to that as well. Um, so now people are finding themselves, I've heard certainly adults that have gotten vile and terrible types of um, hostility from the public. And the best thing for them is to figure out ways to disengage from that. And, you know, if there are bodies that can sanction it and you know, now we're dealing with that, if you know, in the States, all the media with face, Facebook and, mm -hmm. and the, the conversations that are happening and the issue that's going on with online issues are around freedom of speech and how much can we actually sanction uh, what somebody says and, and being ha ha policies for limiting abusive behavior on particular websites. I mean, to some extent, um, there needs to be some policies in place, I think, to actually start to have an imprint and, and an impact, because I, I think it's too hard for one person alone to conquer that. And you're right. And as a matter of fact, in a few months back, I had a show and, and I, 
it, it was related to this topic specifically because people like they, they do their shows and stuff and then somebody comes in and you know puts too much negative stuff and, and comments or insult and things like that and i had made the, the same statement whereby you know maybe there should be some legislators to come you know together and say hey maybe depending on the state depending on whatever country you put in some rules and regulations that if if you live in this area and you do something of that nature well guess what you can be you know blocked i mean i know facebook and all these things these platforms they do have you know uh, i guess community rules and regulations and if you get reported they potentially you know eliminate you or or this this discontinue your account but it's not enough because it takes it more of a to a personal level. Some of these people, especially if you have your address on or whatever, you never know. Some yeah. crazy person will actually come out on, on Facebook and come up and meet you at uh, by your house. And we've heard about stories like that. So hopefully we, one we, day. Yeah. Well, we do need to learn how to protect ourselves. I mean, we. I, I think the, the things have changed so dramatically over the course of the last few years. Uh, I find it hard to catch up with all the new venues right now online. Oh, people that have social media. Um, uh, so, I mean, I think we still need that in place, but, you know, part of my doctorate, my, my doctorate research, I, um, I studied, uh, trauma and abuse and, and there were three, there's physical abuse, there's sexual abuse, and, and then there's verbal emotional abuse. Um, one of the problems in, in our society has been, uh, how do you legislate verbal abuse and how do we, um, how do we prove it? How do we give it credence and i think um in in our day-to-day what we don't really report verbal abuse in the home and have people uh, go to trial for verbal abuse it just doesn't happen because it hasn't reached that domain yet on the verbal area where i think it would be a valuable thing for people to try and define i think when we're looking at online um, at least it's in the written word, which is a little easier. We have some perhaps ways to, um, to measure that. And I know that they do have policies for respect. And, but the problem is if it doesn't get reported, um, that abuse can continue to happen. And I think we do, the more we can start to talk about it, I'm hoping we can start to get policies that are um, across the board so that people who are experiencing it can find some way to stop it. Um, and I think um, there are situations where people don't report uh, a lot of um, harassment until significant damage has already happened. Um, so, you know, we need to keep that communication link really happening quickly, yeah. Definitely, uh, you know, as you, you're, you're stating these things, I'm thinking just, I think one of the main reasons it's happening more now in, on the cyberspace and, and the social media, it's easier. And it's not face-to-face. -face. Most of the people are probably, I would say, cowardish a little bit. They don't want to be, they might not say it to your face, but it's easier to say it with a comment on, on a post, right? Uh, especially if I don't know you, I don't even know where you live, whatever. I just deal with stuff and I, I flex my muscles, <laughs> my mouth and my fingers muscles in the to you and expression. Uh, you know, a lot of folks may probably would, would not take it to the level if they were literally in front of someone. And uh, it's unfortunate, but it's it's a venting venue and people are using it, you know, positively or negatively. And unfortunately, there's a lot of negativity that, that goes with it. But you stated perfectly, you have to disconnect. Yeah. You know, as I call it, you know, block, delete, report. 
done. <laughs> you you I, you don't socialize with people that will bully you in real life, right? You have. No, I, would, I, would, I would not go to a bully party. That's for sure. <laughs> so I would so, not to so go. I mean, yeah, and I mean, you know, and I do think individually we all need to develop um, uh, some ability to recognize that there are people in this world that don't have not really. Um, develop themselves in a way that they know how to be constructive. It has nothing to do with that individual who's being bullied. It has more to do with the bullies themselves. And I think, you know, th that's why it's not a venue. It's not like you can ask a bully to stop bullying and they're going to suddenly change. It's, it's the issue is so much bigger than that. And the best thing to do is to disengage from that. I really don't think, um, that you know we can we we can convince people when they're already in that place to stop stop being verbally abusive is that if that's their inclination so shutting off i think is a best approach and then finding a way if possible to um to either stop it report it or go somewhere altogether i think you know there are safety issues involved it doesn't happen all the time um, but if you do engage and then you don't know who you're actually dealing with, um, it's always good to practice some measure of safety for your own well-being. But I also think it's not helpful uh, to engage in it. it you know, it's... Um, no, that's fair. I mean, there's no, reason, there's no reason. I always say this, you know, surround yourself with positivity and positive people and stay from negativity and any of that nonsense because it, it doesn't pay and it doesn't do anything. There's no positive outcome from it so uh, but, but unfortunately i mean i i i see a lot of it and you know i mean when we were discussing this topic it, it just was like clearly in front of me i'm like every day i see it and people are really like they go on each other's throats and they, they're like screaming at each other they come live and some people just go into your feed and start you know i'm not talking like facebook and some other groups it, it's crazy um and even in in all on YouTube, whatever. I mean, people just tend to uh, flex their, their little, <laughs> you know, uh, English or whatever language they might write. And they put a few words in there just because they think, to your point, it's freedom of speech. And they just, you know, empower, you know, and, and they, they throw it at you uh, and basically for no reason. So, but hey. And, uh, they know, and I think the other piece to it is, um, uh, I, again, I think it comes down to people not recognizing we're still as a society acknowledging the power of words and you know if, I mean I, I certainly have been following some of the politics uh, that have been going out there I mean there's bullying happening at the higher level of politics and you know so it's it's not really allocated to educated people can become uh, in that realm of bullies and uh, so you know, I think on a global level, I, I remember reading a, a nonviolent communication. It's a, a book that was oriented towards um, originally for political um, um, movements to help people engage in speech and conversation that is inherently nonviolent and it, its mission. And they now have these programs out there that are nonviolent communication courses with the intention of helping society and politicians um, work towards 
um, a form of communication that does not have violence in it. Violence can include you know, uh, aggressive words, it can, can include insulting, it can include blaming. Um, I mean, I like to think that as we mature, that is something that we develop and, and change. Um, I think we have still a long way to go. Uh, my hopes are that we will start to give words more weight. And I, I think, you know, we give a lot of weight to physical violence and we sanction that. I don't know if we figured out fully how to do that for verbal. verbal. And, and, you know, as far as the cyberspace world goes, um, those words can be atrociously hurtful to people. Um, you know, these people exist. We all will need to contend with them, I think. Um, but I'm hoping that we will continue to move forward in that because I think the growth of online has been um, has grown exponentially over the course of years. And I, I the, the, you know, legislation has to catch up with what, with how quickly things have been evolving with the online social. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. yeah. I, and, you know, I mean, I'm, I do have a couple of friends in, in, in you know, the regulatory bodies and, uh, you know, potentially those that discussion we might have about, you know, uh, putting some stuff together and see what, what it takes, but, but definitely solutions. I know it's going to happen. Uh, to your point, and just getting over the the uh, logistics and the you know the different you know amendments and laws and, and human rights and you know all these these uh, uh, real deep stuff that you need to get over and find any any loopholes that you can bypass and finally get some solution. But it will happen. Uh, I think those guys are smart enough and they they know the law well enough to to find a little bit of a, a gap where they can make some 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 patching. So I hope I hope that happens, and then sooner than later, uh, before something crazy happens, and you know, then there's so much damage. So, Dr. Lake, I mean, it's it's been pleasant, it's been uh, great, a lot of good insights, and uh, certainly a topic that probably touches on everyone. I hope that you know, from this platform, from the radio and the channels, uh, you know, people can at least get some some core elements here, and maybe use some of this to their benefit. Uh, and or share with others uh, so it's always a pleasure having you and uh, you know thank you thank you for for the time uh, you know, we love the, uh, the the feedback and the actual input you've been giving us here uh, so uh, that being said um, Dr. Blake thank you everyone uh, thank you for watching the iHealth channel and FinFab channel as well as the on the iHealth radio and we'll be talking soon ciao ciao bye bye